I'm going to ask you to open your Bible to a place that oftentimes, I believe, is overlooked, maybe misunderstood. Um, to be honest with you, I've asked a couple people. I know Joe was one of them. There's several people I asked. I said, have you, have you heard a message from the book of Philemon? And I was thinking back in my mind, and here's what I realized. Um, I've been preaching now for over, not pastoring, but preaching for over 20 years. I've never preached on this passage. And the Lord just kind of burdened my heart about it. And I asked around, and, and uh, very few people had heard any message on Philemon. And I went back into the recesses of my mind and realized I did hear one message on it in 1998. And that was the last time. And so uh, I'd like to return the favor. Go to Philemon, if you would, and stand with me for a little bit. Philemon, you say, what chapter? There's only one. Yes. So if you see Philemon, you're there. You got it. Uh, Philemon, and uh, we're going to start in verse number 9. Uh, I'd like to, to, this is the week of Thanksgiving, I'd like to maybe kick it off with the right spirit, the right mindset, and uh, let's, let's all learn to be thankful for second chances Amen. this morning. And uh, this book is about second chances. Look at Philemon, and we're going to start reading in verse uh, number 9. Yet for love's sake... I rather beseech thee, being such an one as Paul the aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Uh, for those who don't know, Paul writes this in prison while in Rome. I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds. In other words, he led this guy Onesimus, Paul, led Onesimus to Christ while he was in prison. Which in time past, talking about Onesimus, was to thee, Philemon, unprofitable, but now profitable to thee and to me, whom I have sent again, thou therefore receive him, that is, mine own bowels, whom I would have retained with me, that in thy stead he might have ministered unto me in the bonds of the gospel. But without thy mind would I do nothing, that thy benefit should not be as it were of necessity, but willingly. For perhaps he therefore departed for a season, that thou shouldest receive him forever. Not now as a servant, but above a servant, a brother beloved, specially to me, but how much more unto thee, both in the flesh and in the Lord. If thou count me therefore a partner, receive him as myself. If he hath wronged thee, or oweth thee aught, put that on mine account. I sure am glad that 2,000 years ago, a man named Jesus Christ said, put it on my account. Uh, look, if you would, at verse number 19, I, Paul, have written it with mine own hand, I will repay it, albeit I do not say to thee how thou owest unto me, even thine own self besides. Yea, brother, let me have joy of thee in the Lord. Refresh my bowels in the Lord, having confidence in thy obedience, I wrote unto thee, knowing that thou wilt also do more than I say. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. And uh, Brother Joe, if you'd ask God's blessing on, on the word of God. Everybody to testify and tell us 
Amen. Amen. Be seated if you would. Now, if you're familiar with the New Testament, you understand that Paul writes about half of the New Testament. And uh, Paul's letters are known as epistles. An epistle is a letter that's sent with a particular purpose to a particular person with a particular message. Uh, And sometimes it's to a church. Sometimes it's to the church of Galatia. Sometimes it's to the church of Philippi. Sometimes it's to the church of Colossae. And sometimes uh, Paul writes to individuals. He does that with Timothy. He does it with Titus. And he does it with this guy Philemon. But what's interesting about Philemon is that Philemon is not really about Philemon. Philemon is the person that that Paul is writing to. But Philemon is not, the the letter of Philemon is not about Philemon. And and it's written for a particular purpose. And I think it's something that gets overlooked because it kind of feels obscure. It kind of seems like Paul is writing to this guy as if this guy should know all about Onesimus, which he does. And so us as outsiders, 2,000 years later, we kind of look at that letter and go, it doesn't really kind of make sense. I want to try to make sense of it for you, but understand this, that, that God says you are an epistle of the Lord written in our hearts, known and read of all men. You are God's letter to this world born-again believer, if you're a saved, born-again child of God, people are reading your letter. And, and the question is, does it, does it read like that of second chances and restoration and forgiveness, or does it read like bitterness and, and frustration? And, and I, you, you, you're no longer, I'm, you're dead to me. I'm going to tell you right now, if you walk around as a Christian acting like people are dead to you, you know what your problem is? You forgot what God did for you. You forgot the second chances, the third, the fourth, the million chances that God has laid out by his grace for you. And this morning, I'd like to just make sure that we get corrected on that. Now, listen, if you're not familiar with this, understand this much. There are two places where the name Onesimus shows up. Uh, Philemon is one. The other one is in the letter to the Colossians. I'm not going to have you turn there, but just understand basically what ends up happening is at the end of Paul's letter, uh, it says this, written from Rome to the Colossians by Tychicus and Onesimus. So here's this guy who is running away from a, a master. Now listen, right away you mentioned master and runaway servant. People get real nervous. You know, They start thinking about civil war in America. You need to understand something. America was not the first country to have slaves. Uh, slave, and I'm, I'm not saying I'm for slave. If you walk in here, Pastor Adrian's for slave. Look at me. Do I look like someone that wants to be a slave? <laughs> I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is throughout history, empires and, and kingdoms were built on economies that were built by slavery. And so oftentimes what would happen is if you were part of the slave class or the servant class, you were kind of below. And and so Paul comes in and is leading people to Christ and he's leading people, Jews and Gentiles, people that had the Bible for thousands of years and people that worship Venus and Jupiter and knew nothing about the God of the Bible. And, and, And Paul says, hey, guys, go to church together. And they've got, you know what they got? They got culture wars in the first century. You know, the only reason that works is because of Jesus Christ. Amen. The only way to get people to get, look at, look at what's happening in the world right now. You can't get people to agree on anything, man. You go on Facebook and go, this is a blue dress. No, it's a green dress. No, it's a purple dress. Who cares about any of that stuff? But people disagree about anything. Listen, the only thing that will bring peace on earth and goodwill to men is Jesus Christ being honored. That's it. 
You try to get the whole world together. It doesn't work outside of Jesus Christ. And the more they try to force it, the less it works. Well, guess what? In the early church, you've got not just Jew and Gentile and male and female. And it's still just male and female, by the way. You, you don't just have those groups. You also have master and servant getting saved and going to church together. That had never happened. The place that this idea of this melting pot of all these different socioeconomic structures and, and races and everything, none of that happens outside of Jesus Christ. And so this is happening. And so Paul is writing to this man, Philemon, about the fact that Onesimus, who was once a servant and, and a steward in his house. Now, you may not know the Bible, but understand this. The word steward and servant are kind of similar. The idea is this. A steward is someone that has been entrusted with goods to oversee an estate. So, so this guy Onesimus was one that was entrusted. He was in a place of trust, and he stole something from his master, and he ran away, and he ends up in prison. And glory to God, he finds Jesus Christ in jail. Amen? And so he meets Paul when he's in jail, and he tells Paul his story, and Paul disciples this young man, and Paul takes him under his wing. As a matter of fact, Paul is getting older, and he can't see real well. He's got a thorn in the flesh. Remember that? And he goes to the Lord three times and says, Lord, would you take this away? Lord, would you take this away? Lord, and God says what? Uh, be healed. Uh, no, he doesn't do that. You know what God says? My grace is sufficient for thee. And so Paul deals with that. He can't see really well, but he still wants to get these letters out. There's no, there's no Facebook. There's no phones. There's none of that stuff. It is old-fashioned letters. Old-fashioned letters. Do you young guys know what those are? Pen, paper, all right? Love letters. Anybody know what love letters are? All right, I wrote some of them. My wife recently found some of them, and oh, they're so sappy. Oh, man, talk about the, her blue eyes like the ocean that is never ending. Oh, bleh, right? I know. If you're reading it, you're not one of the two people involved. You're like, oh, how gross. But, man, it means something to, to, to her, right? And so Paul is, is writing these letters, and they mean something to the recipients. And Paul writes a very personal letter. And let, God, Listen, think about this. The Bible talks about the book of Jasher. You guys ever come across that in your Old Testament reading? The Bible talk, okay, the Bible talks about uh, the letter of the, uh, the epistle of the Laodiceans. Can you imagine what that letter would have been like? So, like, we're good. We don't need nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, the, anybody know who the Laodiceans are? Yeah. The Bible says over in Revelation that they are uh, rich and increased with goods, and they think they have need of nothing, but they're poor and, more and, and, and wretched and miserable and blind and naked and all that stuff. And, and Paul references the fact that there was an epistle to those people. And he says, make sure that that epistle is read. And yet, God does not put that letter in your Bible. And the Bible talks about the book of Asher, and yet God does not put the book of Asher, uh, Jasher, excuse me, in your Bible. And, and we, we heard, uh, listen, I can't tell you how many times someone has gone on YouTube and come to church and go, Pastor, you ever read the book of Enoch? I'm like, no. Oh, you got, I'm like, stop, stop, stop. You're going to tell me for a minute. You're going to read a book that's not in the book that God gave you, and you're not reading the book that God gave you? Right. Oh, I've got to find some obscure thing. Listen, let me try it now. I have a hard enough time reading what I'm supposed to read. I'm not going to go fishing for garbage somewhere else, all right? I, you say, oh, no, no, the book of Enoch. Listen, there's nothing in the book of Enoch that you would find that you could not find in the Bible if it is actually true. Right. So stick with the book. You know, what the, you know what you have in the book? You have a book where God gives you insight into a personal letter between Paul and another Christian about someone that did them wrong. 
And I think when you dig into this story, what's amazing is you find out that Philemon had a great testimony. You can read about that earlier on in the chapter. Look, if you would, at uh, Philemon, look at verse number uh, uh, one. The Bible says of Philemon, he's a fellow laborer. He is dearly beloved. All right, look at verse number five. Now, people know about his love and his faith in the Lord. Now, look, if you would, at verse number seven. He says this, man, the, the other Christians are refreshed when they're around you. That's what I want to be. I don't want to be Eeyore, guys. I don't. I've met Eeyore, and I've seen him in Independent Baptist churches, and I just say, well, pray for you, but please stop talking. You ever met Eeyore? It's like, how you doing? It's like, come on, man. Give me a break. Are you saved? Are you going to heaven when you die? All right, you got food in your stomach, clothes in your back, a roof over your head. Why don't you stop complaining? Just thank God for your hat. Listen, people were refreshed when they were around Philemon. I want to be that kind of guy. This is the testimony that he has. But maybe the greatest test of his testimony is the very subject matter that Paul is throwing his way. You know what Paul's throwing his way? I'll be very careful. There are some of you in here that are born-again believers, and God is starting to purge and prune people out of your life. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about people that God does want in your life that maybe you're having a hard time forgiving. That maybe you're having a hard time looking at them going, I love that person. You know, I had to learn a long time ago, I can't hate you if I'm praying for you. I mean, seriously, I can't, I, well, somebody's like, oh, yeah, I, yes, you can. God, please kill him. I'm not talking about that kind of prayer, right? I mean, when you get down and you say, Lord, would you bless their family? And God, would you bless their work? And Lord, would you bless their ministry? And Lord, I, you know, and, and every once in a while, you, the carnal side comes out. Lord, you know, I don't like this person. The Lord's like, yep, I got it. Yep, I got it. But Lord, would you, you it's really hard to hate someone when you pray for them. Listen, maybe that's you today. Maybe that's where you're at. Maybe that's not you. You're like, man, everyone, I love everyone, you know, and I love you, and you love me, and we're one big. Maybe that's where you're at. Everything's great. That's wonderful. Maybe what you need is a reminder of what God did for you. You know what's going to carry you through some hard times? Looking back at what he's already done. You know, we talk about our building and, oh, what's God going to do? What's going to happen here? What's going to happen there? You know what? I, I just look back and I go, well, he provided for us here and he brought us here. And I, he's not going to dump us now. <laughs> well, I can look back and see what he's done. And so maybe that's what you need today. But I think in this center, what we see is a, a, a great type, a great picture of something. And Onesimus was one that was trusted. Look, if you are alive today, let's say you're not even saved. You know what you got? You have a gift, not the gift, but a gift from God. It's called life. God has trusted you with that gift. He's trusted you with the gift of conscience. So when you are doing something that is against God's law, that gift is activated and your conscience says, I shouldn't think that. I shouldn't look at that. I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't act that way. You say, even before you're saved, God gave you that conscience that makes you do this when you're a kid. You know what? You see, I've watched it. You go into the room and the kids don't know you're there and you kind of creak the door open and they're doing stuff and they're kind of looking around like... Mom and dad here, oh, we're always watching. Yeah. Right? Like you, you, you say, well, why, do you, why, do you, why do you look around? Because your conscience tells you what you're about to do you shouldn't do. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you something around. God has given you, he's trusted you with that. And just like Onesimus was trusted with the goods of his master and he stole from him and ran away from him, all we like sheep have gone astray. And if you're here today without Jesus Christ, you know what you are? You are an Onesimus. You are on the run. But I'm telling you something. God will catch up with you. 
And let me tell you something. You want him to catch up with you in this life. You don't want him to catch up with you in the afterlife. He can be your lawyer or your judge. You decide. I like to have him as my lawyer. He's never lost a case. Let me say this right now. If you're here and you're born again Christian, maybe there's some things that God has put in your hands and, and maybe you've broken his trust. You know what you need to do? You need to look at Onesimus. You, you need to understand that when trust, listen, trust is like a delicate flower. Once it's broken, it takes ardent care to make it blossom again. You know, the only thing that can make it work between you and God is Jesus Christ. Now, listen, there's a story in the Old Testament. Anybody remember the story of Absalom, how he turned on his dad? Now, now you, you may not have put all the pieces together. I'm sure some of you Bible students have, but there's a man back there named Ahithophel. And when you read your Bible, you're like, oh, who cares about this guy and this guy and this guy? We got this guy, and who cares? I don't want to read this, and I just want to read John and, and Mark and Matthew. I just, <laughs> l- read the Old Testament. It's good for you. There's this guy named Ahithophel, and Ahithophel was David's counselor. But what you don't maybe understand is this. That whenever David left and was cast out of his own kingdom and ran for his life because his son Absalom stole the kingdom by speaking flattering words to those people, whenever David ran for his life, Ahithophel went from being David's counselor to being Absalom's counselor. All right? And he basically said, hey, the way I was with your dad, I'll be like that for you. I'll tell you how to get him killed. I'll tell you how you can reign. I'll tell you what you need to do. And you know what the Bible says? In the days of Ahithophel, it was like hearing the oracles of God. It was like God was speaking through this man. You say, well, why would this man who once served David faithfully, as soon as his son, who who through treachery and deceit, took that kingdom, why would he turn on David and serve his son Absalom? Here's where it gets interesting. Do you know who Ahithophel is? He is the grandfather of Bathsheba. Anybody remember who Bathsheba is? You know what David did? He brought shame not just on the kingdom, but on that family. And that man never forgave him and died in bitterness. You say, why? Trust was broken. Let me tell you something. You might, some of you right now, if I were to say, has anyone, okay, let's just, let's just do it for fun, okay? Has anyone ever broken your trust? Come on, don't, don't, no, don't do it. I see half of you are like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to raise your stinking hand if someone's broken. Okay. All right, here's the next question. I know I don't want to raise your hand in the first one. How many of you have broken someone else's trust? You know, the first time around, it's kind of like, mm, mm. Second time, it's like, oh, fine. Here's a good one. Who here has broken God? Boy, I am so thankful for the Savior that we have. You, you need to understand a few things about him. You understand that God does not want things to be broken. He wants to give you a second chance. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, with people, man, there's some people, like, you. Cr- I've known some people, like, it's one and done, baby. Like, you have one shot at, at like, being in their good graces, and once you're done, you're done. I've met some preachers that way as well. You know, it's like, oh, you do that at your church? You have coffee? We're not friends anymore. <laughs> oh, you got a screen up there? You got an image? We're not friends anymore. I, I am thankful for some people that have a little bit of grace. Because I sure am glad for the grace of God in my life. Can, 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 I, can I maybe let you in on something? God gives Jonah a second chance, and the Bible says after Jonah ran from God, listen to me, just like Onesimus was on the run, the Bible says, one of the greatest verses, at least in my mind in the entire Bible, is the word of the Lord came into Jonah the 
second time. And yet with that, he completely blew it. I guarantee you if St. Peter, the Apostle Peter was here right now, if he got up here and was like, oh, St. Peter, he'd be like, please just don't, that kind of makes you cringe a little bit. See, you don't know me like I know me. I denied the Lord. I did this. You know what he would say with a tear coming down his face? Sure, I'm thankful for a second chance. Can I say this, number one, I'm thankful for a new identity. Look, if you would, at Philemon, look at verse number 11, which in time past was to thee unprofitable, but now profitable to thee and to me. You know what's so funny? Do you know what Onesimus' name means? It means helpful or profitable. And you know what it says he was before he met Jesus Christ? He was unprofitable to those around. He had uh, brought damage and hurt into the lives of those around him. And the Lord says, you know what? We're going to give you a new identity. You're not just a servant. Look, if you would, at verse number 16. You're not just a servant, but man, you are a brother beloved. Everything changed when I became a creature in Christ. I have a new identity. Let me just tell you right now, you, you don't need the world's identity on you. And I can tell you right now, that's the issue of our day. Nobody knows what they are, who they are. I'm going to tell you who I am. I'm a born-again child of God. And when I got saved, I got a new name. There's a new name written down in glory, and it's mine. Listen, when, when God deals with Abram, he goes, you're not just going to be Abram anymore. You're going to be Abraham. You say, why? Abram means exalted father. Abraham means father of many. Listen, Abraham would have been a great name because why? He had no children, and God had promised him that if you follow me, I'll bless your seed. How can you do that, God? Just follow and watch. Got a new identity because of his faith. Jacob in the Hebrew, some people love Hebrew and Greek. Oh, my pastor knows Hebrew, and my pastor knows Greek. Man, you just do better. Read the Bible God gave you in your language. But for those that love that stuff, his name is Yaakov. You say, what is that? That's Hebrew. It means to follow or to be behind or to supplant or overreach or to be a deceiver. And then God changed his name to Israel to mean a prince with God. And it, well, listen, if you look at Jacob's story, Jacob did not do, in my mind, Jacob didn't do anything great to deserve that or to merit that. You say, what was it? He had an encounter with God. It wasn't that Jacob made himself great. God made him great. You see, you're not something because of what you've done. You're something because of Jesus Christ. We, we tell kids all the time, you're so special. You're so beautiful. You're number one. Everybody gets a trophy. All of you get a trophy. Even if you're in last place, you're special. And they grow up and they go to work. And they're like, oh, they told me I'm special, but I feel kind of dumb. <laughs> so they want to know every month how they're doing. They want more. Listen, my generation, you can talk to me in January. Tell me what I'm doing right. Tell me what I'm doing wrong. I'll see you next January. This generation coming up, oh, please tell me, what do you think? How do you like it? What are your thoughts? Ah, get away from me. You know why that is? Because they were told, oh, you're number one. Listen, let me tell you something right now. The only reason that any of us have any specialness to us, it is activated when you're brought in Christ. God takes these natural abilities and gifts. And think about the, the missionary talking about that man that has the printing thing and, and makes T-shirts now. And they got all these things going. You say, what is it? People that God has taken, they had abilities in their former life. But now they're activated in Christ. God wants to do that for you. You know what I'm thankful for this morning? A new identity. You know what Saul means? Prayed for. You know what Saul was? He was the first king of, the, of, of Israel. They said, God, please give me a king. God, please give me a king. God, and God gave it to them. Oh, God, please give me a boyfriend. Please give me a boyfriend. Be careful what you I had to take my shot. 
It's my girl, okay? Had to take my shot. You know what Saul means? means prayed for. Listen, listen, in Acts chapter 9, you know what Saul was? Saul was a blasphemer and a murderer. And he would look at his life and go, I'm the answer to someone's prayer. Hey. And he thought he was doing God's service. And then he gets saved. You know what God changed his name to? Paul. You know what Paul means? Little of stature. It means pequeñito. <laughs> yeah, man, it means little. All right? You, you big guys think you, listen, I got little man's complex. I'll tell you that right now. So when you go up to do a jump shot and I trip you like that, that's just, that's what that is. You know what Paul is? He's a little statue. You know, what, you know what God does? God takes this man that everybody would fear, and by the end of his life, he's probably kind of hunched back from all the beatings. Yep. And everybody looks at him and goes, man, who is that? Is that the great Saul? Oh, no, it's just Paul. And God goes, yeah, but look what I did with him. Amen. See, what is that? New identity. Amen. It's not about you. It's about him. Amen. If you can't thank God for anything else this Thanksgiving, thank him for who you are in Christ. Yeah. Quit trying to, to fabricate some kind of... People go through situations where, you know, they get, they get dumped or, or they lose someone in their life or whatever. And it's like, I got to redefine myself. You need to define yourself in Jesus Christ. That's it. That's the greatest identity you could have. I was once a sinner, but I came pardoned and received from my Lord. This was freely given, and I found that he always kept his word. There's a new name. Come on. Written down in glory. And it's mine, oh yes, it's mine. And the white-robed angels sing the story. A sinner has come. Think about that. A sinner came home. You know what Paul is doing? He is telling Philemon. Philemon is a picture of God the Father. Paul is a picture of Jesus Christ. And he's saying, Father, would you receive this runaway servant that ran away from you, that knew what was right and defiled his conscience, and he knew what he was doing? Would you receive him? Because now he's no longer just a slave, a servant. He's a brother. I sure am thankful for my new identity in Jesus Christ. Can I say this? Your past trauma and your broken relationships and your way of thinking, and your way of approaching life. Listen, if, if, if you couldn't get anything else out of what the brother said, could you listen to this? My father was a murderer. My grandfather was a murderer. My great-grandfather was a murderer. And who are you? A preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Because that doesn't define me. Christ defines me. I love it when someone goes, preacher, you don't know who I was raised in. Hey, I know a little bit about some of this stuff. I remember knives being thrown at 2 a.m., cops being called, people ODing. I remember some of that stuff. I remember having to go to counseling because parents were divorcing. I'm looking at the counselor going, you have no idea what's going on. I remember going through all of that stuff. And at the end of it, you know what I found? The only thing that brought me joy and true identity was Jesus Christ. So can I just say this? Look at Philippians chapter 3. We'll come back to Philemon in a moment. Philippians chapter 3. Can I say this? Quit trying to define yourself by everything else. You'll be miserable. I am not. Listen, I did not stand here today as the CEO of Rolling Staffing. You know what that is? Uh, People are trying. They try to relabel themselves. This is why I matter. You matter because you're a child of God. And if you go, well, preacher, I'm not sure that I am a child of God. You can be born again today. And it'll cost you nothing. You don't have to join the church. You don't have to date a member of my family. You don't have to do anything. You just have to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. Look at Philippians chapter, pray for Bella if you would. Look at Philippians chapter 3. She's like, Dad, I don't know why I came home this weekend. 
This is not good. Philippians chapter 3, look if you would at verse 12. Not as though I had already attained. Either we're already perfect. This is Paul. Paul, who some of you think is the fourth member of the Trinity. Paul, who writes half the New Testament. You know what he says? I haven't arrived yet. You know what the kids say when you go on a long trip? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? You know what the answer is? No! You know what the answer is? You'll know when we get there. You know what God has? A bunch of kids are going, am I there yet? Am I there yet? The Lord's like, you'll know when you get there. You know what the answer is? When you get to the other side, then you'll be there. You know what Paul says? He says, I'm, I'm not perfect. Look at verse number 12. But I, I follow after. If that I may apprehend for that which I also am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this. What are the next two words? You know, you know the problem is? Some of you are trying to multitask. You need to just focus on one thing. This one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth. You see, but, but I mattered then. You know what Paul could have thought? People literally worshipped the ground I walked on. The people that had money and power and authority, those were my people. Now I'm having to be let down by a bunch of hooligans over a wall in a basket to escape from my life. I mean, honestly, if, if I'm that guy, I'm like, I don't know that I really want this job anymore. <laughs> if this is how it's going to be. You see, was that? that's his new identity in Christ. Christian, you need to learn to let go of some things. Some of you are holding on. And it's almost like you know, Olivia's at the stage now where she just wants to touch everything. And listen, mom and dad are different. They just are. God made us different. And, and I can say, <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Ben's quite, kind of quietly trying to just, oh, no, amen, amen. All right, the, we are different. Here's the difference, all right? Olivia goes into the kitchen, and she sees the cabinets now, and she can get, climb up and just little, put a little half Puerto Rican tush out there. She starts opening this stuff. And mom's like, oh, no! You know what I'm like? Let her do it once. You say, why? Because after she does it once, she'll know it's not a good idea. Listen, some of you, you know what God's doing? He's like, go ahead, knock yourself out. And you're like, ow! He's like, I told you. But the thing is, some of you aren't quite as smart as Olivia. You're like, boom, ow, ow, ow. (laughs) Same relationship, ow. God's trying to get this person out of my life, but I want to keep him out. (laughs) Amen. The old habits, the old life, the old way of thinking, I got to keep. No, God wants to get it out of there. Leave it in the past. It's not who you are because of Jesus Christ. One thing I do. Well, I wish I could get Christians to do that. How about this? <laughs> John Mark. You know who John Mark is? He's the guy who gives you the gospel of Mark. <laughs> I think I was in Bible school before I realized it. I'm like, oh! <laughs> I was like connecting all these dots. I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? Why didn't he call it John Mark? I would have gotten it much quicker. The Gospel of John Mark. I would have gotten that. But no, he has to get, give him his middle name. And so we're questioning, who is this guy? I'll tell you. And it's funny because Matthew is like, you know, gives you this long genealogy. And, and Luke gives you this long genealogy. And then John goes back to the beginning of creation. And Mark's like, so let's just jump right in. <laughs> yeah. you, you, say, you say, well, what, is, what, what am I getting at? Well, John Mark's the guy who gives you the Gospel of Mark, but not before which time he blows it. Can you imagine being at the epicenter of the largest, maybe most critical split in church history? 
Everywhere you go, you're like, oh, you're that guy? <laughs> like, uh, that's why he went by Mark. He's like, I'm not John Mark, I'm just Mark. <laughs> He's hoping they don't figure out who he is. And, and everywhere he goes, that's the stigma for a while. But can I, can I encourage you a little bit? After that split between Barnabas and Paul, and you know the story, Barnabas takes John Mark under his wing, and by the end of Paul's life, you know what Paul says about John Mark? The same thing he says about Onesimus. He's profitable. You know what that is? That's a second chance. And some of you can, you know what you're doing? You're choosing to live with your identity from the old life rather than embracing the second chance. Even after you're saved, some of you have gone through some things. Saved people are not sinless people. I mean, our souls are sinless, but the flesh ain't sinless. And, and someone asked me, how can you be saved and always saved? God washed my soul, and he separated my soul from my flesh, and I am forgiven and cleansed and justified. And by the way, I love that passage in Corinthians where Paul's like, some of you are murderers and fornicators and adulterers and effeminate and abusers of themselves with mankind and thieves and covetous and idolaters. It's kind of like the resume you don't want, but it's, it's really what everyone is without God. And then he says this, this is the best part, but such were some of you. But ye are justified, ye are sanctified, ye are washed. See, this is where you were, this is where you're at right now. Live in light of this, not that. I'm thankful for a new identity. Can can I say this? I'm thankful for a mediator. You know what Paul is in the story? Paul's the guy that stands up. Listen, if I'm called up to the stand to defend myself, I'd make a mess of it. Man, if I start talking, you know, and Brother Jose's not here, but when I get pulled over, you know, you know how fast you're going, 95 miles an hour, I'm sure of it, you know. (laughs) If I went up to the stand to defend myself, I'd probably make a big mess of my court case. You know what the Bible says in Revelation? You don't have to go there, but you know what it says about the devil? One of his titles, he's the accuser of the brethren. He is the district attorney. You know what's terrible about this, about this whole thing is that he, everything he says about me is right. Can, can you imagine what it's like? Now, listen, the Bible says the accuser of the brethren was cast down, Revelation 12. You know what that means? Right now, you know what he's doing? He's up there going, are you kidding me? You let that guy in the pulpit? You threw me down for less than what he's done. Oh, preacher, are you saying you're worse than the devil? Some of you probably think that already, so I... Live with that new identity, I guess. But you, you understand? Listen, the, the accuser, he stands before God. His job right now is to go, do you see how they responded to that? Do you see what he said under pressure? Do you see she's not submissive? Do you see that he treats her like a, like a doormat? Do you see that, the, look, at, look at how they're, they act this way at church, but I know better, and God, you know better. That's who they are. And oh, right over here on this side of the courtroom walks in someone that's never lost a case. And Jesus Christ walks in. The Bible says there's one God and one mediator. He's our lawyer, the man Christ Jesus. You know what Job says? I wish I could talk to God, but I can't because there's no daysman. There's no go-between. There's no one to speak on my behalf. How can I approach God? And Job was right. What Job didn't know is we have a high priest that ever liveth to make intercession for us. So while the devil's up there going, Lord, you see that? You see what Joe said? You see what Ben did? You see that? You see their lack of faith? You told them this promise in that book, in that chapter, in that verse, and they don't even believe you. And Jesus Christ steps in and goes, yeah, he's, uh, 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 Father, he's right about that. 
But I think that uh, what uh, the DA is forgetting to remember is that all those sins have been washed under my blood. And, and as a matter of fact, Father, if you would just take a moment to look at them, I mean like the real them, the soul of them, the, the, the everlasting, eternal them, what you would see, Father, is this. Their soul has been washed, and they are no longer what they used to be. So when the DA starts talking, Father, would you just pay attention to me for one more moment? You know what, the, you know what our mediator does? When the father goes, how could this have been paid for? He just goes, look at my hands. <laughs> so as, as the DA is the accuser of the red and the devil, Jesus Christ, the Bible, Hebrew says, he, ever, he lives right now. Right now. You know what some of you have done during church? Thought about garbage. Don't look, oh no, this is a holy place. We're standing on holy ground. Some of you probably told someone, you sat in my seat, you know, or something like that. And the devil's like, you call that charity? And, and, and all of a sudden, and you know what? As the devil's going up, you know what the, Jesus Christ is doing? He's standing. He's going, yep, but, but hear me out. And you know what he's doing? He is pleading your case right now. The reason that he died and rose is so he could do just that. I'm thankful for media. You know what Paul is in this story? Go back to Philemon. Notice something about Paul. He didn't have to be this guy, but he chose to be this guy. Jesus Christ did not have to die for my sins. He chose to. You know what you do when you stand up for someone? You put your neck on the line. You're, put, you're willing to put your... If someone came to me and said, Brother Joe said this and, that and did that, you know what I would say? That does not sound like him. I want you to shut your mouth. And Joe may be like, well, maybe I did. I don't know, but, but I'll, I'll, I'm not going to let someone else talk about that guy that way. Why? Because there's a relationship there. So you know what happens when the devil gets up and talks about you before God the Father? Jesus Christ stands up and he goes, you know what? There's a relationship there. You're not going to talk about them that way because they are in me and I am in them. <laughs> Look what Paul says. Look, if you would, at verse 17, that thou count me therefore a partner Receive him as myself. Do you realize that when Jesus Christ died for you, he says to the Father, would you receive Lacey? Would you receive Adrian? Would you receive Tim? Would you receive Sarah as you would receive me? That's the only reason why I can say with confidence, when I die, I'm going to heaven. You say, why? Because when I go up there, it'll be like him receiving his own son. And I didn't deserve it. And I couldn't earn it. And I didn't get it by being a pastor or being a good guy, right. or even shopping for Christmas stuff at Hobby Lobby without my wife there. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, I, could, I couldn't pay for it that way. It's close, but I couldn't. <laughs> you, you understand the only reason you can do that, the only reason you can be received by God the Father is because he's receiving you as if he's receiving his own son. Amen. You know what Paul says? Hey, buddy, oh, Philemon, he's got a tab with you. Would you put it on my account? Amen. You know what Jesus says? Father, Adrian's got a tab. He's racked up a debt. Put it on my account. You ever go to lunch with someone and you're not really sure who's going to pay? <laughs> there's, one, there's two kinds of people in this room right now. There's one that's like, I'll, I'll reach for it right away. And then the other one's like, oh, brother, oh. <laughs> and you know, your conscience is, is bothering you right now if you're the second one and not the first one. I'm glad when we sit down at the table, Jesus Christ is like, I got it. I got it. I got it. But Lord, no, no, you can't pay for it anyways. I got it. Yes. You say, what is that? That's a mediator. You know what it does? It sets a pattern. Understand this. There are some people in your life you cannot be reconciled with. Why? They don't want it. Okay, understand that. Get, get a hold of that. 
You cannot, if God himself wants the whole world reconciled to himself, and that's what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and he doesn't get it, you're not going to. But can I say this? With the people that God does want in your life, and you're going, yeah, but I know. Yeah, but I know. Buddy, God knows everything about you. All the secrets. And he still says, I'll receive them. Whosoever will, let him come. You know what he does when he does that? He sets a pattern for us. Look around this room. We are all different. Different races, different socioeconomic statuses, different uh, stages of life. Some are older, some are younger, some are in great shape, some are not. <laughs> but give it time, son. It's gonna, whatever's here falls down, right? <laughs> but you know what makes this whole entire thing work? You know what it is? We have a pattern that's set for us. And you know what the pattern is? Well, if God forgives you, I can. You know, some of you might say, well, you don't know what they did to me. Go to Matthew 18. I sure am thankful for God's mercy seat. Oh, man. You know what, you know what the Lord says? Over there in Exodus 25, man, he's talking about the mercy seat and being overlaid with gold and the cherubims reaching over and looking into that mercy seat. And, and you know what it says? It says that, that when God talks to Israel, he says this, that seat is where I will commune with thee. If you want to come to God, you don't come in your effort. You don't come in your righteousness. And even if it's a saved individual, you don't come with all of your standards and all of the good things you're trying to do to serve God. You come to a place of mercy. And you go there. And when you go there, you know what you're reminded of? I don't even deserve to be here. God says the only one to meet with you is at a place of mercy. Thankful for 2,000 years ago, him dying on that mercy tree. Matthew 18. Look at verse number 23. Therefore, is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king which would take account of the servants... And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought to him which owed him 10,000 talents. At one time, I, I don't recall what it is right now, but I want to say it was in the millions of dollars, a lot of money. I did the calculations. The Bible says he had not to pay. He didn't have enough to pay it. And his Lord commanded him to be sold. You see, this is the old way of dealing with things. This is the law and his wife and children and all that he had. And what does it say? And payment to be made. If you're lost without Jesus Christ, you do one of two things. You pay for your sins forever or you allow Jesus Christ to pay them for you once and for all. Amen. Christian, can I remind you a little bit? I know it's kingdom of heaven. I get that. But just bear with me with the, with the practical application in your life. N notice what happens. This guy falls down. Look if you would at verse number 26. He fell down and worshiped and saying, Lord, have patience with me. So many times I go to the Lord and I go, Lord, would you please have patience with me? I sure am glad he's not like, nah, you asked for that yesterday. <laughs> Tell some of you are with each other. When my kids come to me and they, they blow it, yeah, I don't want to, you know what I don't want to do? Well, you asked for forgiveness yesterday. I never want them to think that God's that way. Have patience with me. Can you have patience with someone else? Well, preacher, you know, just let's keep reading. 
and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion. Sure, I'm glad for his compassion. And loosed him, and watch this, he forgave him the debt. Some of you are like, Lord, April 1st, when I have to submit my taxes, would you allow the IRS to forgive me my debt? (laughs) So some of you are praying after hearing this. But let me tell you something. You had a debt with God that was great, much greater than any debt you could owe a government entity or a credit card company or a bank. That sin debt, that pressure of sin and of guilt bearing down on your soul, that pressure of the skeletons in the closet, all of that past. And you know what? He says, forgive him. I wish the story ended there. It doesn't. Look, if you would, at verse number 28. The same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence. Now, I don't want to pick on the preacher here, but I can say this. If you're in ministry for any amount of time, people are going to hurt you. That's the, it's the, one of the requirements for ministry is vulnerability. Be human and love people, but know they're going to hurt you at times. You know what's easy to do when they do that? Fine. I'm taking my toys and I'm leaving. This is how serving God is and the church is and a bunch of hypocrites. Meh, 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 meh. And you forget you've done that to the Lord. Look what happens here. This guy owed him a hundred pence. It'd be like you owe someone a million bucks, they forgive you the debt, and you turn around, someone owes you a dollar. <laughs> Adult children are weird. Because you pay for their entire existence, their whole lives, until the time they leave the house. Then you pay for all their airline tickets and all the food that they have when they come visit you. I'm not picking on her. (laughs) I'm picking on the one that's not here to defend herself. And she buys a box of protein bars, and you grab one. Oh, that's mine. Oh, really? Is it yours? (laughs) You need to go back and read Matthew 18. Her name rhymes with Fariana. That's all I'm going to say about her. I think Bella's never been happier in her whole life, right, right now. <laughs> but you know what this guy does? He grabs the person that owes him a dollar by the throat and says, you owe me. You know what the Bible says? That one that grabbed the other person by the throat, he's delivered to the tormentors. You know what the greatest torments in life is? Knowing how much God forgives you and you turning around and expressing the opposite towards someone else. Well, they don't deserve my mercy. Hey, that's what mercy is. They can't deserve it. You couldn't deserve it. Onesimus blew it. Philemon knew it. Paul stepped in. I want you to notice something. Go back to Philemon. I'm going to wrap it up here. Some of you don't know this, but... We're on Puerto Rican time, which means it could be four more hours. Everyone's nervous. <laughs> this is honestly the last thing I want to say. Look, if you would, at verse. I didn't say how long it would take, but this is the last thing I want to say. Look at Philemon. Look, if you would, at verse 15. Listen, if you're here and you're not saved, there's one condition for you to get saved. One. There's only one condition to receive the love of God. 
And then once you meet God on that condition, God's love is unconditional thereafter. Am I right? Nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. What a great insurance policy. But you have to meet him on that one condition. You say, what is that? You have to turn from your self-righteousness and accept the righteousness of Jesus Christ. We call that repentance. Christian, can I say this? Listen, there, there is, there's only one time that you come through God's. After that, it is unconditional love that he gives you as his child. That doesn't mean you don't get the rebuke. It doesn't mean you don't get correction. Whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth. And scourgeth every son. Let me translate that into in the modern language. If you're his son, he's going to whoop you every once in a while. Yeah. Amen. You Oh, I don't know. That's kind of, yes. No, no, no. You know what's abusive? A kid throwing themselves down at Walmart. No, I don't want to. I don't want to. And the whole store having to hear it. That's abuse. Right. <laughs> you know what else is abuse? When that mom goes, you're going to get up. And I never take you out of the That's abuse. You know what would not be abuse? Johnny, sorry, Johnny. It's always Johnny. Sorry, man. <laughs> Johnny, understand that when we get home, you're going to be in time out. <laughs> yeah. And when you get home, you calmly take them home, put them in the car, go home, sit them down and tell them what they did wrong scripturally. And then you correct them scripturally. Amen. And afterwards, you pray with them and ask them, do you want to ask God for forgiveness for what you did? Because what you did was sin. No yelling, no loss of control. Amen. See, some of you don't know that side of things. That's how God does it. Right. God's never like, no, I can't believe you did it. <laughs> you laugh, but you don't realize as a parent, you're kind of, you don't do things God's way sometimes. God is like, well, you did wrong. And you know what my word says. So let's go in time out. Can I say this, though? As his child, I'm received forever. I sure am glad for forever. Look, if you would, at verse 15. For perhaps he therefore departed for a season. I don't mean to pick on you, Johnny, but I'm glad that you were gone for a little bit, that you came back. There's others, others like that. You went for a season. Aren't you glad that God says, I know where you went, I know what you did, but you're my son, I'll receive you. Look at the last word in verse number 15, forever Amen. and ever and ever. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good for his mercy endureth. Till you mess up again, till you cross the line, his mercy endureth forever. Oh, give thanks to the God of gods for his mercy endureth Oh, give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his mercy endureth forever. To him who alone doeth great wonders, for his mercy endureth forever. I love Psalm 136, because every verse in that chapter ends the same way. Old Testament story of a man named Mephibosheth. His main name means his mouth will cause shame. Mephibosheth, if you don't know the story, he's lame on his feet from an accident. He's the son of Jonathan, who's the son of Saul. By, do you understand anything about Eastern culture, if you read the Bible or look at history in that part of the world, the way that you deal with family of the ones that you just conquered is you kill them. Because if not, when they're old enough, they'll come after you. You know what David didn't do? He didn't kill Mephibosheth. As a matter of fact, he goes beyond it. He goes, Mephibosheth, can I say this? I want you at my table forever. I'm glad when I was lame on my feet, he said, I want to pick you up. I'm going to bring you home. 
and you're going to eat at my table forever. As you maybe stretch the belt a little bit this week, as you ingest that pie and turkey and everything else, can you maybe just stop for a moment and say, thank you, God, I can sit at your table. Thank you, God, that you'll never kick me out. Thank you, God, that I'm always welcome at the Father's house. I don't deserve it. You know everything about me. Thank you, God, that forever means forever. Amen. Amen. Christian, can I say this? You got in on the best thing there ever was. Don't take it for granted. Let's all stand, every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, we come to you now in the name of Jesus Christ, and we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to call you our Father, to stop and just say thank you for the second chances. Thank you, Lord, that you receive us and that you receive us over and over and over. Thank you that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just forgive us our sins and it cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lord, thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your goodness. I am not in any way, shape, or form denying or ignoring or rejecting the concept of your holiness and purity. We understand that, but God, I'm thankful that you balance all of that out in dealing with us human beings with mercy. Thank you for Jesus. Lord, all the times, all the times that I've gone astray, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love, Lord, thank you for taking me back. bound every eye closed. Christian, let me ask you. Can you just stop this week and, and don't, please don't take this the wrong way. He's your father. He wants to hear your needs. But every once in a while as a parent, you kind of, you just want your kid to stop and say, Dad, thank you for that thing you did yesterday. For some of you, it's been many yesterdays since he saved you. It shouldn't be less glorious. You should be just, as a matter of fact, the longer you're in this relationship with him, it should be more and more glorious to you. Understanding all the mysteries of salvation and all that God did when he saved your soul that you didn't even understand when you got saved. That should be more praiseworthy the older you get in Christ. You shouldn't become stale and stagnant and unthankful for your second chance at life. ask this question. You don't have to raise your hand, but if you're here and you're a believer and you're having a hard time forgiving someone, can you maybe read Philemon one more time? Can you see yourself in the story? Heads bowed and eyes closed. I'm going to ask this question. If you're here and you're a born-again child of God, can you testify? Can you give a witness by Lifting your hand and saying, yep, that's me. I'm saved. Thank God. Lots of hands. Some of you, it's awesome. You got saved here. And to see what God has done since your second chance is amazing. It is my privilege. But can I just say this? If you could not raise your hand, heads are still bowed, eyes are still closed. I'm going to ask you this question. If you're here and you've never been born again, you don't know that your sins are forgiven. You don't know that heaven is your home and God is your father. Would you be willing? No one's looking, but would you be willing to just simply lift your hand up briefly 
You say, preacher, would you pray for me? I'd love to pray for you. I can't make you get saved. I can't pray you into heaven on my own accord. But if that's you, I'd love to be able to pray for you. Anybody here like that? So I'm, I'm afraid to lift my hand. I'm kind of embarrassed. Don't, don't be. Let me tell you, it's the greatest decision you could ever make in your life. And you are with friends. And if you go, well, I don't know, don't think I'm a sinner. Welcome to the sinner club. The difference between a safe sinner and a lost sinner is a safe sinner was willing to admit they needed a savior. And a lost sinner lets fear and pride and whatever else get in the way of them saying, I need this right now. You're going to have family over this week, some of you. We're going to go somewhere this week and celebrate Thanksgiving. Maybe they take turns around the table and go, what are you thankful for? You Christians, you know what you ought to say? I'm thankful for Jesus Christ. Well, they're not, they're not like me, and I don't know if they're going to accept it. Maybe it could change their life if you said something about the greatest thing that ever happened to you. I love a tracted day in the month of May, but guys, May's not the only month to get tracks out. December works really well. November works great. People need Jesus every moment of the day, every time of year. Thanksgiving's a great opportunity. Don't let it slip. And if you get up Thanksgiving Day and you're thinking about the turkey and the pie, this and that, just, just, just know this much. Cowboys and the Lions are going to play. The Cowboys are going to win. The Lions are going to lose. People are going to eat more than they should. All right? Everything's going to happen like it always does. But maybe if you stopped that morning and said, God, I want to get lost for a little bit. I want to get lost in your presence. Lord, thank you for my second chance. And my second chance is different than that brother's second chance and than that sister's. But Lord, it's mine. Thank you. Do you think that when Peter denied the Lord and heard that cock crow, he ever thought God would honor him by putting his letters in the Bible? I don't think so. You know what God gave him? Second chance. You know what God's extending you today, Christian? Second chance. And you're here without Jesus Christ. He's, ex he's extending that second chance, so don't let it slip. talks about how if Philemon receives Onesimus, it would refresh Paul. We have a baby, and, and, and when you haven't had a baby in a while, you forget things. And one of the things you forget is how awful the smell can be <laughs> when they make a mess. And you know, there are times where Lacey literally goes, okay, I changed her, but she still stinks. She needs a bath, Dad. You know, you, know what, you know what you need every once in a while? You know, what, you, you know my church is good? It's like taking a bath. You get refreshed and you get reminded of where I came from, what God's done for me. I'm going to ask you to sit for